God, we praise your name. I love that line. Christ is my reward. So, Father, we praise you in, in this place because, because of that truth. Despite what we've done, you're our reward. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. Be your loving, faithful God. So we thank you that you fought the battle that we couldn't even imagine fighting and that you won something that we had no hope in. So Father, we thank you. We love you. Your name is beautiful. Amen. Your sister king. 
it's so humbling to just take a step back and to recognize that even amidst all of our stuff, God, how we fail, how we mess up, when we sin, we choose to go other paths, we put it all on the table and show it up to you. And, and, and still, because of Jesus, you, you love us. You see not just past all that stuff, but you see that it's been defeated and you see us not because of what we have done or what we will do or what we're doing, but you see us, you see your son, Jesus, and you love us, and it's it's just humbling. And so, God, we just thank you for the, the songs that we just sang and know that our worship extends beyond music, and it's it's a lifestyle, and we are so humbled to, to, to take time like this to raise up truth of saying Christ is enough for us and that we have decided to follow you and the world's behind us and there's no turning back and Christ, you are our reward. And like Zach said, God, you, we don't deserve you. We don't deserve your love. We can't earn it only because you extended to us and allowed us to enter a relationship with you. Can we have purpose, meaning and worth? And so God, we are excited about what you're going to do and what you've been doing. And we just ask all these things in Jesus' name. Good morning, church. Say hello to those around you. We're excited you guys are here. hope that you're excited to be alive. You guys excited to be alive in the house this morning? Come on. A little bit, a little bit. Hunter's excited. Uh, Guys, we're just thankful for you, and uh, I just have a a lot of things I want to quick highlight, but if you pass the friendship folders down the aisle, we appreciate that. If you're new, we're glad you guys are here and, and choosing this place to to be this morning. We're thankful for you. And if you'd stop by the Welcome Center, we have something to give you. We'd love to connect with you. Um, but we're, uh, we're excited about what God's been doing in this series called Nehemiah. It's never too late for a new beginning. And God's been doing incredible stuff uh, and lives have been changed. And so we're humbled at what God's been doing in this series. And we're really excited about um, as we wrap up this series this morning. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to highlight is that this Friday, this guy's been here for a year. Can we give thanks for Zach? And we, yep. Come on now, I like that. But it's time's been flying, and, and we're so thankful for you, Zach, and love what God's doing through you, and, and it's just exciting. And so one of the things that we have going on here that's been really exciting and, and, and we're humbled at is what God's been doing in our Next Steps meetings. People are connecting for the first time. They're saying, hey, I've never seen you before. They're connecting. Families are connecting, and families are taking the next step and saying, hey, how do I serve here? How do I get my kids plugged in? Students, or, you know, what does the church believe theologically? Or, you know, what, what are we doing in our communities? Like asking those questions. And also there's free lunch and free child care. And so you can sign up for this on our website or in your bulletin. And so what this is, is for people looking to take that next step and making Crossroads their church home or just saying, hey, I want to know more about the church. And so that's why we call it Next Steps, is people taking their next step. And so we're excited about that on March 17th. March 22nd is our March Madness student ministry event. So if you're going into 7th grade through 12th grade, 
this is going to be an all-night event, and they're going to, students are going to meet here. There's going to have a time of music. There's going to be a message. Uh, this is an invite your friends kind of event, and then they're going to, I think they're going to eat in the gym, and then they're going to, like, Princescape Arena and main event, and it's just an all-night event, and it's, uh, as, a, as a former youth pastor, forever youth pastor in my heart, right, Ken? Uh, these are some of my most favorite events um, because they take everything out of you, but the kids have a blast. And so that's happening on March 22nd. And talk to Pastor Eric, or you can check on our website for more information. But we're super excited about that that event coming up. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward as we receive this morning's offering. And guys, I want to share that next weekend, we have a brand new series starting. And it's, uh, it's called I Am Jesus in his own words. And so we're going to be looking at the I am statements of Jesus. And one of the ways that we want to not just promote this series, but really give you a tool and a resource to invite your friends is as you leave, there are little business cards that have the church information on it, as well as the graphic for the new series. And so grab as many as you want, but we just encourage you to at least grab a couple and just pass it out to somebody and invite someone to come sit with you next weekend or the weeks to follow. But um, as we gear up towards Easter, people, people are searching for hope. And so we're super excited about this series. Um, But as we receive this offering, I just want to put out in front of us again our mission. Why we exist is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. All things fall under that, even our giving, to see people come to Jesus. That's why we give. And so we're super excited about what God's going to do this morning. And so let's go before him as we receive this offering. Jesus, we love you. We're humbled to be in your presence. And God, to know that um, even now as we give, uh, God, you've already been at work. We even know this week, God, having so many people without power and even the church without power, you're still on the move. People came to Christ this week. People came to know you, God, this week, even though our routine of Wednesday nights and and studies and normal programming and routines was completely out the window, you're still at work. And so we're humbled to know that you don't need our programs, but God, you you use them, you use us to do your work and it's, uh, it's, it's truly a privilege to serve you and to serve our community and our, and our city. And so we are humbled and excited about what you're going to do and what you're already doing. And so now, God, we give to see lives changed by Jesus Christ, to see lives in Finleyville, in the city of Pittsburgh, and in our country, see lives changed by Jesus. And so broaden our picture of you. Help us to see how you're at work so that we can be encouraged and inspired to know how you are working, Lord God. We love you. We thank you for loving us, for chasing after us, for kicking down the walls of our hearts to get to us, and for saving us through your son, Jesus Christ. And we are so incredibly excited at what you're doing and what you're continuing to do. We love you, Jesus, and we commit this uh, rest of this time uh, to you. We love you. In your name.
Aren't you glad to be here this morning? Thank our God, huh? I think uh, some people are worried about the snow this morning. Uh, trust me, it's coming either way. An inch or two or foot, whatever, we don't know. It was funny, I was hearing the forecast last night. He goes, you know, it was 10 years ago that we had that. We thought an inch was coming. We got a foot. I was like, I do remember that. I remember that well, but hopefully it won't. All right, anyhow, let's move forward, all right? We are thanking God to be a part of, the, uh, part of our series this morning, Nehemiah. It's been a fantastic uh, study on the book of Nehemiah. Just to, to recap and catch everybody up, if this is your first day here, we, are, we, are, we have been studying the memoirs of Nehemiah. It's a book in the Old Testament, and as you study the memoirs of Nehemiah, you will find out that he, he gives us detail about how that he was a cupbearer to the king. Uh, Israel had been under, under exile. They had been taken away a thousand miles away from their homeland, and as they went a thousand miles away from their homeland, they're under the Babylonian rule. They became uh, slaves and servants of the, of the Babylonians and also for the Persians now. And so he's, uh, he is cupbearer to the king Artaxerxes, a Persian king. And so he's a thousand miles away from home. And so he's been, he's been coming and uh, he's just working a nice cushy job. You know, he tastes the food. And if, the, you know, if he lives, the, the king continues to eat his food. So it's a kind of a great job. And, uh, and then he goes through four months of prayer and fasting. God lays on his heart, it's time to go back and do something. I want you to go back to the homeland and I want you to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. The wall has been in ruins. It has been broken down. Things have been uh, in, in disarray, but now God was starting to do a new movement. This was a, over a hundred-year gap here whenever people had not worshipped God. The, uh, the city was in ruins. The walls were broken down. And so this morning, we are going to pick up, uh, we're going to wrap up the book here this morning because uh, Nehemiah chapter 1 through 6 that we studied heavily was the, the rebuilding of the wall. And he comes back and he does what people couldn't have done, what they didn't do in the past hundred years, was to rebuild the wall. And he does it in record time, 52 days. Now, to rebuild this wall in 52 days was, was just incredible. That, that, I mean, you know, you understand modern technology. You understand the machinery that we have today. Well, he comes and in 52 days, he, with a team of, uh, of unskilled people, and I said it's a great picture of the church because none of us are skilled at God's kingdom. He is the one, and he's called all of us to come together, and we work for him. So as we come together and we work together with God, he puts us together, and he builds this great thing called his church. Jesus said, I will build my church. So here, here we are this morning. We see uh, that, that God was changing their heart. Last week, we looked at a uh, a revival, if you will. It was a revival. It was the first revival recorded in history. And, uh, and we see that uh, you cannot have a heart that is rebuilt without the Scripture. Without God, you cannot, you, you can go try to put your life together all that you want. It will not work. You have to have God. You have to have a relationship with Him, and you have to have His Word. You can't just take it and run and, and just say, oh, yeah, that, that was nice. You have to get into his word, and you have to let him speak to you. And this is what happened to the children of Israel. They came back now, and they had a re-Bible, and it was new to them. And they had not been reading the word of God for 100 years. So the, 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 the Bible was read publicly. They had this great time of response. And last week, we looked at five steps to, uh, to rebuilding your heart. 
Today, we're going to look at several effects of a heart that has been rebuilt. And so the first thing this morning is this, is that a a heart that has been rebuilt, a revived heart, uh, changes my life. Your heart will change your life. Some of you are looking to change your life. You cannot change your life without changing your heart. It all starts in the heart. So when you come to God and God works on your heart, he starts to change and starts to transform you. Uh, last week, we, we, were, we were looking at those steps to, to rebuilding the heart. Um, and then if you continue on, that was in Nehemiah 8. If you go to Nehemiah chapter 9, you would read the longest prayer that is recorded in the entire Bible. There are many prayers recorded in the Bible, but Nehemiah chapter 9 is the longest prayer that is recorded in the entire Bible. And so now Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 38, we come to this verse here because after they've prayed this tremendous prayer, they are now ready to make a commitment. They are going to write down their commitment. Nehemiah 9:38 says, "The people responded, in view of all this, we are making a solemn promise and putting it in writing." On this sealed document are the names of our leaders and Levites and priests. And so what happened, uh, you, you would go and you would find out that they were putting first things first. They said, this is our commitment. We are going to be the people of God. This is our promise to you, O God. This is our constitution. We don't really care what the rest of the world is doing. We don't care how they live outside of these walls. Here, we will honor God. We will love him. We will respect him. It will impact everything about us. Our, our lives will be changed. Our families will be changed. And so, so you see this incredible thing. And what it was, they documented their priorities. And I want to encourage you to document your priorities. There are so many incredible things that you can learn about leadership from the book of Nehemiah. And everyone's a leader. You may lead a small group. It's called your family. Or you may lead a large group at work. You may lead in the church. You may lead in the community. Everyone is a leader. Go through the book of Nehemiah and look at the principles. What did he do? They wrote down their priorities. You know, nothing gets the job done like writing it down. You can say things. You can say your dreams. But when you write down, this is my commitment, I'm going to do this, it changes everything for you. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, take your priorities, your spiritual priorities, and write them down. That's what the people of Israel did here. And then if you go over to Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 29. So uh, the, first, the first 25 verses or so of Nehemiah chapter 10, he's listing off all these names. And you can go in and you can read it, and it, it's pretty powerful. I mean, from a historical standpoint, you can see, yeah, these people actually lived. These were actually real people. And basically, the whole, the whole community comes together, and they said that we will be followers of our God. And look what they said here. They solemnly promised to carefully follow all the commands, the regulations, the decrees of the Lord our God. The people had recently just blown off, blown off the dust off the Bible. They recently had gotten back to God. There was a revival because they said, I can't believe that we've been so far away from God for all these years. And we as a people have come back to God. And so there was a lot of excitement that was happening. And they collectively said that this will be the way we will live. We will carefully. Now look at that. It says they solemnly promised to carefully follow the commands that God gave them in his word regulations, decrees, 
what God has said. You know, God has done that for us. We still have his word here. He's told us to love God, and he's told us to love others. Uh, you, you see, today, when, if we take that and, and we, we made a commitment to God, we said, God, I, I want to live for you, you know what that would mean? It would mean that your attitude would change. How you treat your, your, your family would change. How you treat your, 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 your wife, how you treat your husband, how you treat your, your parents, your children, how you treat people in the community. It, it would all change because you would be coming and you're saying, God, we're going to follow what you said. And as we follow, if, if we as the people of God will just follow what God said, it will be transformational, but it will affect your life. And there'll be things about you that will be different a year from now because you've followed God. And you said, all right, God, as you have taught me in your word, um, I'm not going to do that anymore. As you've taught in your word, I'm not going to hold a grudge anymore. As you've taught in your word, I'm going to love my neighbor more. And so all of a sudden, your life will change. And see, this is what happens in a growing believer. A follower of Christ who is growing changes every year, every month. Every week, we keep growing, we grow forward. God takes an attitude and he works on it. God takes an action and he convicts you. Um, and so as you go through this process, do not be, you know, many times people come to this point in the spiritual walk and say, well, I'm afraid of that because it means there's stuff I won't get to do. Wait a minute, God gave you this relationship with this incredible God and you want to hate your neighbor? Really? You see, you cannot have a vertical relationship with God that does not impact the horizontal relationship. And you look through the Old Testament, it was all over the place. When you had a correct vertical relationship, it always helped, it always impacted, it always changed the vertical relationships, uh, uh, the horizontal relationships, all right? And so, so uh, Colossians 3.16, the Apostle Paul said it like this. He said, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Do this with all wisdom. Let, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. The word dwell means to make residence, to take up residence. So let the word of God take residence in your life. Now that's not something that you can do just on Sundays. That's something that you do by learning and getting to know God and you open his word. And, and, and as God speaks to you, it takes residence. You, you're thinking about it all day long. It, it's like you meditate. He told us to meditate on the Lord day and night, right? So what happens is as we do that, we let it. And it says to do it richly. That means extravagantly. You know, when you think of something rich, you think of excess, right? Think of lots and leftovers and all kind of money laying around, right? And so he says this. He says, let the word of Christ richly, extravagantly take resonant in your life. Let it invade who you are. There's no hiding places from the word of God. There's nothing that God won't invade if you, want, if you will let him, if you open up every room of your heart. See, God's not looking for us to say, God, you can have everything but this over here. He wants to come in and he wants to, to see every secret that you're holding. And he, because he already knows it. See, he wants his word to come in and transform your heart and transform your life. Let the word of God dwell richly in you. Secondly, this morning, it, it rebu a rebuilt heart will impact my family. Your family, as you retune your heart with God, as you have this revival, you and God, at, which, by the way, folks, I, I've met up with a few people this week. You know, there, it's not, you can't say the church had no power this week. Church had no electricity, all right? 
The church had no electricity. We've had more power than we've ever had. I know of four people that opened their hearts to Jesus this week. Can we thank God for that? How exciting is that? I'm ready to shut it down all the time before people get saved, right? Just as long as we're here on the weekend, right? But anyhow, so it's like, you know what? Here, here's what happens when, oh, that's what I was getting to tell you. Uh, some folks in our church told me that they went out, and at the beginning of the year, they picked up a Bible in our foyer. And they went home, and they started to read it, and they said, we can't believe because God's talking to us every day. Every day. They're not waiting for me on Sunday. They're hearing from God Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And God is transforming their life. And they're saying, wow, we can't believe this. And the thing they tell me is, we wish we would have done this sooner. Isn't that powerful? I, I, want, I want to encourage you with that. A rebuild heart will impact your family. Because as you learn these things, you're going to teach your family them. Uh, look, look what he says here in, in Nehemiah 10.30. He says, and we will not give our daughters to the peoples of the land or take their daughters for our sons. Um, there's a whole lot here. And so what had, what had happened was God had instructed in the Old Testament for the nation of Israel not to marry outside of the nation of Israel. Why? It wasn't anything against the people on the outside of Israel. It was against the fact that they were going and they were pagan people, people who did not follow God. And God said, look, if you go and you intermarry with somebody who's pagan, it will destroy your life. It will destroy this country. We will not be able to have you become this, this nation that will, that will worship in the way that I want you to worship. So today, the application that we can take as we're going through the book of Nehemiah, because just the verse earlier, he says that in verse 29, the solemn promise to carefully follow the commands, regulations, and decrees of our Lord. And then he says, and we will not give our sons and daughters of the people, to the peoples of the lands and take their daughters for our sons. In other words, he says, we will let God transform our families. Um, you know what? The, the culture is different. You can't uh, go out and pick your kid's mate today, right? And, uh, and my two girls just said, amen. Thank you, Dad, all right? You know, that, that's not how this works. You don't go out and pick your kid's mate. But in that day, they quite often did. And so the, while the cultural is different, the principle is the same, is that we are going to instruct our kids in righteousness. We're going to instruct them to the things of God, to the things of Jesus. We bring them to church. This morning, they're downstairs. They are not being babysat. We do not have child care in our church. We have a children's ministry. Can we thank God for that? Thank our God, man, you know? When your kids are in our youth ministry, we do not have a youth group so that the kids can, so that the adults can have a service. We have a youth group that meets on Sunday morning at 9.30 over there. Uh, sixth grade through 12th grade, there are all kind of groups over there. Maybe fifth grade. I don't know. There's all kind of kids over there. But listen, it is not babysitting. It is not so that you can have a service. It is so that they can be instructed in the ways of God. And this is what we do as parents. We bring them here. And beyond that, we pray over our dinners. We, 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 we take the things of God to home. Uh, I was talking with one of our young men in the church, and he was telling me that he takes our birthday gift to Jesus list, and he hangs it up in his, on his refrigerator, and at dinner, they take and they pray over one missionary per week off that list. And, they, and they're working their way through that list, and they pray over one missionary per week, and he's teaching his kids. And then the other thing was kind of cool. He, he said, he said uh, I listen to your sermons. 
I said, wow, I commend you. That's pretty good. He says, I listen to your sermons, and, uh, and I pick out one verse that's on the screen to be my verse of the week. And I go home, and I write it for our kids so that they will know God. And I teach them. You see, it's simple. It's not like you have to have this big program. He was just taking it and making it part of his life. And I couldn't be more excited for this man. And his kids are growing in Christ. Uh, a rebelled heart compels me to give. You know, whenever your heart has been in tune with God, giving is not a problem. Um, Nehemiah 10.32 said this, we, are, we also placed ourselves under obligation to contribute yearly one-third of a shekel for the service of the house of the Lord. We placed ourselves to an obligation to, 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 to take care of the things of God. That's a powerful statement when you look at that. Um, and then if you read there, you continue verse 32 all the way down to 39. It's talking about giving. And he talks about the tithe and how that they would bring the tithe in and how they would care for the, for the house of God. And he wraps up that section with Nehemiah 10, 39. He says, thus we will not neglect the house of our God. You see, what, here's what happens. When God grabs a hold of your heart, you can let go of your wallet. It's amazing. You know, we've been taught, you know, the American way is to get all you can and can all you get, right? Uh, the, the, the way that God says is God says, listen, I have given you 100% of what you have. And as you, as I've given it to you, I want you to be free to give to others. I want you to be free to give first and foremost to God. And so you look through the Old Testament, there was a principle called tithing. And you go through and you study that there. It's pretty powerful. Um, this morning, I'd like to just share with you uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each one must do, must give, just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Um, it's always powerful when people ask me about giving. I've had many people ask me this. These are key questions. They'll say, all right, I want to start giving. I want to tithe. I want to give 10% to God. Should I give that off of my net or off of my gross income, the, the, you know, before taxes or after? And my answer is always this. You talk to God, I'm sure he'll tell you. Honestly, if you go and you talk to God and you pray about it, God will lead you in the area of giving. Um, I tell people, you know, if you'd like to start giving 10%, maybe start with 1%. Just start. And what it is, here's what happens, is you start to give and you let it go. It's because your heart has been touched by the almighty great God of the universe. Now, these things are not so important because I have life beyond this world. And why would God teach them all throughout the Bible? We see, you know, there are more verses on giving. It's amazing. There's so much on giving. Uh, Jesus talked a lot about money. He talked a lot about giving. And why? Because he understood that where our heart is, there our treasure will be also. And so, so this morning, I just want to share with you some of the exciting things that happened as we have come together. We as a church have come together, and we have responded. We've had a revival, a revival of the heart. And God has opened our hearts and, uh, and opened our, our wallet, and we have given to the Lord, right? So we had the birthday gift to Jesus offering. We set out a goal of $83,000, and as we set the goal of $83,000, through us, we, the church, together, we have come together, and we have been able to bless the missionaries around the world, not with 83000 but with $133,000. Can we thank God for that this morning? What an awesome God. 
I, I want to share with you some of these people here this morning that, that are recipients of this, of this offering. And I want you just to catch a glimmer of this because this is what happens. You see, whenever you get joy when you give. The American way says to store up and you'll be happier. The American way says the more you get, the bigger your house, the bigger your mortgage, the bigger all those things, right? The happier you are. God says... The less. God says the more you give, the happier you'll be. It's kind of, kind of wild. And here's what's happened in our church. I've watched this year as we, we prayed, and you know, we've, been, we've been doing this for years, and that missionary offering started out uh, with Pastor John 50 years ago, and they raised $324. And 52 years later, 133000 God does God is greatly to be praised. When you give, folks, I say this over and over, not because I'm a broken record like my kids think I am, but I, I tell you because you cannot outgive the Lord. Amen. You just can't do it. Thank our God that, okay? Uh, look, look here, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to share you. We're going to go through a lot of these pretty fast here. Um, first is Anthony Vajela on the screen there. Him and his five or six children there. I didn't count correctly, but there's one, two, three, four. All right, there's a lot of kids there, all right? So uh, just pray for them. They are in the Czech Republic. And you know what? They are, they are working hard for God. And they don't see four people come to God in a week. They're happy if they see one person in a year come to God. The soil is hard. And so, you know, when he gets a check from our church, and, and it's just, it's, he, he is so thankful. He's so happy. Here is, uh, we support the Boston, uh, the Baptist Bible College, all right? The Baptist Bible Fellowship. We, we have given to help these folks because they, they are sending missionaries around the world. They train missionaries and they send missionaries around the world. So we're, we're helping those folks. We have the Blessings in a Backpack program. Uh, Rachel Lynn is part of that, helps out in our local community here. And uh, we, we were able, I was able to go and give this to our community. Uh, your gift, I was able to hand deliver it. And I'll tell you what, when you hand deliver a gift from the church to the community, they say, whoa, the church cares about us. The church cares about what we're trying to do. And so, listen, I'm out there. I'm having an opportunity to pray with people in our community. It is so cool. God is opening doors through your giving. Because you said, God, I'm going to let go of this. This isn't about me. I have to let go of this because you gave it to me. It's not mine. I'm going to give it to you. Um, here's Bob Hines. He's with IMAP, Missionary Support. Um, there's the Boston Baptist College. We have a few people. Uh, Eric Morgan, Eric and Sarah Morgan. Eric plays drums here at the church. He's been playing drums here for about four years. Um, he, he went to Boston Baptist College. He was trained for ministry. And they, they're training ministry people out there. Here's Caleb and Amanda York. Uh, we're helping, helping Caleb and Amanda. They were our student pastor this time last year. He came to me and said, hey, I want to go plant a church in Columbus. I said, well, why would you want to do that? He said, because God has laid it on my heart. We're supporting him. We, out of your birthday gift to Jesus, we, we sent to him. And you know what? He is this morning meeting in a public school. They rent space from a public school, and they're having worship. I know a few of you people went up there. Uh, uh, the, uh, the Lentz and the Hoffmans, you went up on his opening day, and you got to see the, the beginning of the church up there. The God, God says, I'm going to touch the people over in Finleyville to help Caleb and Amanda out. I call and I, I, I hear from Caleb often. 
We're praying for him. We want to see God do great things over there. Uh, here's Caroline Wise. This is Chanel Sims' sister. She's in Nepal with uh, Youth with a Mission. Uh, here's Caroline Evil. This, uh, this was a friend of one of our young people who, who attends here in, in this girl. She is a friend of the Shervons. And, uh, and they sent her my way. And she came in. She told me, I said, tell me your story. Why do you want to be a missionary? She said, because whenever I was a kid, I went to this little church over in McKeesport, and I got saved. And my family didn't go, but that's where I trusted Christ as my Savior. And now I want to give my life to God. Can we thank God for stories like that? Isn't that exciting? You know why I have a soft spot for that? Because that's what happened to me. I came and ate donuts, and I'm still eating them. You know, it's just amazing. You know, it's like God. God just brought these people. You know, God brings people unto Himself. Uh, here's a missionary in China. We're not even allowed to put his name out publicly because he's under top security over there. But if you want to know his name, go see Alicia. She, uh, our financial secretary. The check has been sent. The, our missions in general. We help. Uh, we, we're going to be helping our young people as they do things. Uh, Word FM. We help put out a, uh, a ministry to Word FM. We have a, a broadcast. It's on Sunday at 9.30. Uh, please don't ever stay home to listen to it, okay? It's 9.30. Always come to church. And then you can stay home in the evening and listen to it again at 7 o'clock on, on the evening. Uh, it's Pastor John. He still is making those. And, uh, you know, there's not a month goes by that somebody doesn't show up in our church because they heard the radio broadcast. Uh, can we thank God for that? This, this is the light that shines bright, Okay. Here's uh, the, the Cure Women's Care. This is one of the pregnancy centers. Uh, we, we help and encourage these people are out there. You know, we're, we live in perilous times. Who, who would have ever thought that our nation would be asking, you know, questions about, about life? Folks, God is the author of life. He is the one who has given us life. Well, that is not ours to question. Amen. And so we are taking a stand in our, in, our, in our community by not just saying, hey, we don't want you to do that. We're saying, hey, not only do we not want you to do it, but we're going to stand by you and we're going to help you. We're going to help you to have that baby and we're going to come alongside of you. So these folks are our missionaries out there to unwed mothers and to, and to people that are in distress. Can we thank God for those people, man? That's exciting. Here's Daniel, Daniel and Ana Gonzalez, our missionaries in, in Ecuador. He, he sent me a, a text the other day on WhatsApp. He said, hey, brother, I just want to thank you for the special offering. Man, only God, listen, these people are praying and they're asking God, where's our next meal coming from? And God used you to, to transform their lives. Here's Daniel and Martin Francois. Uh, Pastor Francois, I shared with you about whenever I was 14 years old. I went on a mission trip to Haiti. We came back, and this church has been supporting Pastor Francois's church ever since I was 14 years old. And, uh, and now Pastor Francois died. This is his son, Daniel, and his family. He is now the pastor of the church. He's continuing it on. Here's Rebecca Behrens, uh, Daniel and Rebecca Behrens. They, they were here earlier this year. This is the daughter of uh, Dave and Amanda Boer. Um, here, here's uh, Fernando and Isabella Bassler. Uh, they are in Ecuador, and we're thanking God for, for this family. He was here earlier this year. He's plant, church planting in Ecuador. I got to go see his church in, in October. I spoke at his church. These people are dying to find a seat. 
It's just amazing what God's doing in our, in our world. And God has used you to bless these folks. First Baptist Church in Bethlehem, Israel. We're supporting a church in Bethlehem, Israel. Here's uh, Fritz and Francine Voltaire. They are also missionaries. They work with uh, the national pastor in Haiti that we support. If I could just read to you their latest letter, just so you can get an idea of what's happening around the world. You know, we were going to take a group to Haiti. We wanted to go this March. But uh, we had to cancel because they're overthrowing the government down there. It's total political turmoil, total political unrest. Uh, This is what he says in his latest letter to the church. We are corresponding to ask you to double your prayers toward us because we do not know what will happen in the next hours and days in Haiti. We have been living troubles and troubled times since the beginning of this year. Nevertheless, nowadays, everybody is afraid. Children, young people, adults, old people, poor people, rich people, policemen, civilians, militaries, everybody is afraid. Every day, military people, policemen, civilians, poor people, and rich people are losing their lives. How about myself? I feel strong and secure and thank God for my faith in our almighty God. Haiti has been blocked since Wednesday, February 6th from north to the south from east to the west, and in the center, nobody can move. Uh, No no power, no gas, no charcoal, no market, no public transportation, no private transportation, and so forth. Thank you to the Lord. We have brought food for 10 days, but today our warehouse is finished. Uh, During these days, we shared our food with some brothers and with others who need the Lord as well. Uh, Our preoccupation now, where are we going to buy food to feed these orphans? The sellers double, they, some, multiply in the prices, some multiply the prices in the streets. Um, many, of my other, many of the other missionaries are also facing the thing, same situation. Everybody is waiting to hear the president or the prime minister talk and say what will happen and when we can resume life again. Folks, God has used you not because we saw a need but because your heart responded to God like the people of Nehemiah did. And as we responded to God, look at the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of lives are being impacted. Uh, here is the Good Shepherd Fold Orphanage over in, in the Philippines. Uh, many of our people have been there. This is where Linda Finney grew up. Thanks be to God for the Good Shepherd Fold Orphanage. Greg and Nancy Fritz. Uh, We've been supporting Greg and Nancy Fritz for a number of years. Uh, Their focus is the 1040 window. And uh, they're they're trying to mobilize people into the 1040 window. I I believe they're related to, Wade, your family, right? To the Baker family. And uh, you look at Greg there, you can see Baker all over his face, right? But um, I I just want to encourage you to pray, pray for those folks. The Philippine Baptist Theological Seminary, this is where... Uh, Pastor Al uh, was, was helped and worked on staff. Here's Jarrett and Brianna Furnish. Uh, these are missionaries in Africa, and I believe they're, they're with the Liebenzell Mission, uh, which is a German mission, and they are coming back over to, uh, to the States for a period of time here. And uh, the, the, I, we got this connection from Mike Baines. Uh, Mike and Paulette, you're, you remember this kid when he was a rowdy teenager. And now he's a rowdy missionary, right? So uh, we, we thank God for that. And so we've been able to support him for the past few years. And, and you just see, see these folks, what God is doing in their life. Here's Jay and Brianna Stokes um, in Indonesia. 
Here's Jeff and Arlene Berg, our own missionaries to Pittsburgh. We've been praying for her. She had, uh, she had a broken hip. They had to replace her hip this year. Uh, really tough times. Uh, Jeremy and Emily Nickenbacher over in, over in um, France. Here's John and Bianca Fowler. John grew up in this church. I baptized him and Bianca here in this church many, many years ago. He's now on the mission field in Panama. He called my cell phone yesterday. I didn't know that was possible without an app, right? He called my cell phone, and I got this broken up message. You know what he said yesterday? I just want to thank you. Surprise check from Crossroads Ministries. Can we thank God for that? That's just awesome, man. Um, here, here was Jonathan and Natalie Perry. They're in Australia. Josh and Denise Stewart in Ireland. They, these folks are related to the, to the Slagles. Uh, they're they're, they're um, part of the Slagle connection there. Karen Worth, Indonesia. Um, we've supported Karen Worth. She's probably been on this missionary list since I was a kid. I remember her in Indonesia. She was here earlier this year. New Life Options, we're, we're helping people again. Uh, we're, we're coming alongside and ministering to people in need. Richard and Charlene Head, and I believe that Charlene has just went on to be with the Lord in recent days. We've been supporting them for a number of years. Ron and Nancy Minton in the Ukraine. Here's Ryan and Sarah Johnson in England. Sam and Rhonda Wilson. Sam came on the bus like I did for donuts. Except he stopped eating them. He moved, all right? Uh, you know, I remember these names from back in the day. He came on the bus back in the day. He was a follower of Christ. He, he went out and spread the word. He's working with Russian-speaking Jews. Um, here is Scott and Jenny Phillips. And so you look at Scott and Jenny. They, they, they come and they, they, they steal our hearts every time they come. Here's what I'm trying to say, folks. We have been following God, what he told us to do. And let me tell you what God says about giving here. God says this. Look over in Malachi 3.10. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord, the, uh, the Lord of heaven armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Got this cup over here. It says Pastor Ken on it. Isn't that cool? Elena DePetra made this for me. Can we thank her? That's awesome, man. She's a good job, right? And, uh, and it's filled with water. And, and I want to just show you this because here's what happens. We have these things and we hold on to them so dearly. And God says, I want you to take and I want you to give to me. And when we do that, when we pour it out, he says, now here's what we say. We say, but I'm down. I'm missing that. I worked hard for that. And God says, if you do this, if you will bring your tithe to me, if you will give, I, the Lord of armies of heaven, I will pour out a blessing upon you. And the blessing will be so much that you cannot contain it. And God, God says he's just going to keep taking care of his kids. He's just going to keep taking care of them. And God says, listen, I've given you everything in that cup. I want you to just, just, just give back to me. I want you to give. And here's what happens. When we become connected to God, we can let go of it. Because here's what we know. We know that God is our provider. 
And it's not about what I know. See, I only know what's in my cup. I don't know all the blessings of God. And when we come and we start to take that, and we take it very literally, we say, okay, God, you're going you're gonna to just, God, you just keep overflowing it. And God does this. He, he just pours out his blessing on us. And you can't contain it. And so every time I read the verse, that's the picture I see that here's my life. If I will just trust God with it, and if I just give him these things, he says, he doesn't say you're going to get rich. You know them orphans in Haiti? They're praying for a meal. And as they teach them how to give to God, God says, I know. You need a meal tomorrow. Let me pour out my blessing. Here's the people of Crossroads going to help you pay for that meal. Wow. And if I don't get to be a part of it, I miss the blessing. I miss the blessing. So whenever I come and I give, this is what God does. He, he just transforms our life. You see, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Jesus was real clear. Matthew 6, 21, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. And I want to encourage you to let go. Let go, because when, you, when, you, when God's got a hold of your heart, everything you need, you understand who your provider is. You see, the people in that day, they, they understood because they had joy. Folks, a rebuilt heart produces joy. And I want to share this with you here, because as you, as you look in Nehemiah chapter 12, now at the dedication of the wall. They came, God had given them the wall, and it was time to dedicate the wall. Now look what they did. At the dedication of the wall, they sought out the Levites from all their places to bring them to Jerusalem so that they might celebrate the dedication with gladness. When you dedicate your life to God, celebrate it with gladness. When you give to the Lord, God loves a cheerful giver. Why? Because this is the nature of who God is. And so when we come before him and he says, celebrate with gladness, they, they came with a dedication with gladness. Uh, they came with hymns of thanksgiving that with songs on the accompaniment of cymbals and harps and lyres. They had the guitars. They had the band. They had it all going. And they're, 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 they're doing it. You know, we, we think we got modern band. That's nothing. Man, they've been doing this for thousands of years. They've been playing loud cymbals for years, and the people of God have been rejoicing with great joy to our great God. Why? Because our great God has provided. God provided for the wall, and we rebuilt the wall. And we keep giving, and look what God's doing. And look what God's doing in my heart. God's transforming my heart. And this is how God works. He transforms our heart. Look here. Uh, uh, Continue on, verse 28. So the sons and the singers were assembled from the district around Jerusalem and from the villages. For the singers had built themselves villages around Jerusalem. So Nehemiah calls all the singers together. He says, come on, choir, let's go. The priests and the Levites purified themselves. They purified the people, the gates and the wall. Verse 31. Then I, led, I had the leaders of Judah come up on the wall, on the top of the wall. So imagine the wall's 30 feet. He gets a ladder. Come on up, choir. And he pulls all these singers. He says, come on, it's time. You're getting up here. And we are going to honor our great God. We are going to bless him. And the joy that was all over that place was amazing. Uh, the first choir, he says, and I pointed two choirs. The first proceeding to the right on top of the wall. Imagine that. 
They're going around the wall that they just built and they're singing, blessed be the name of the Lord God. Verse 38, the second choir proceeded to the left. And when I followed that, when I followed them with half of the people on the wall. So you had one group going one way, one group going the other way. And they land up at the temple. Look here, verse 40. Then the two choirs took their stand in the house of God. So did I, half of all the officials with me. And they dedicated what God gave them. And they did it with joy, not with grudging. How many times do we live our life in grudging? That's not the attitude of Christ, folks. Well, I got to do this today. No, you get to do that today. God gave you a job and you get to go tell people about Jesus at your work tomorrow morning. That is why he gave you that job so that you could be his light in the darkness out there. And so you're going to go out there and you're, you're going you're to be a follower of Christ. And as we go out and we do this, the joy starts to come. Folks, Proverbs 17, says, a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. A broken spirit will dry the bones. A joyful heart makes a cheerful face, but when the heart is sad, the spirit is broken. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to invite you to Jesus. I want to invite you to dedicate your life to Jesus. Do it with joy. Romans 12:1 says, I beg you by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice to God. As we close our service this morning, I'm going to ask you to, to dedicate your life to God. And just say, God, here I am. Here's my heart. Here's my life. Here's my finances. Here's everything about me. All I am, all I have, all I ever hope to be, I give it to you. Lord, be with your people as they respond to the goodness of your word. As we leave this place today and we go home, Lord, would you let your word, that re-Bible, that revival invade our lives. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Would you greet those around you? God bless you. You are dismissed.